Simon, I'm glad you you joined us on such short rest.、Uh, what, why are you so tired this morning? Well, Macaulay,、uh, it, it started as a, a nice normal night last night. You know, had a had a lovely meal out, but then、um, I, I got back home and I decided to maybe have a glass or two, many of wine, and to do a stream. And、uh, I suddenly looked at the clock, and it, I think it was you know gone past 5 a.m. And I thought, oh my dear, I have to do a broadcast. My you know the most important broadcast of full English breakfast in about three hours. Let's talk U.S. Championship. What was your biggest surprise of the championship? Biggest surprise for me was、um, just how well some of the underdogs did,、uh, especially Var and especially Onishchuk, who got to the final. Obviously, fantastic performances. I was particularly impressed by Var. Actually, I thought he played brilliantly. He got that lucky break against Fabiano. It hurt a lot to see Fabi make that、uh, make that blunder against Var. Essentially, Fabiano had outplayed Var for most of the game, and when the dust had settled, he had two extra pawns on the queen side, which obviously, for somebody of his level, is just an easy win. Actually, he should be winning that every day, regardless of his form. Really doesn't matter. Anyway, what ended up happening is things got a bit complicated, and actually, he got to a position where he lost a pawn. Things were a bit more difficult, and then obviously a bit of time trouble, and he made a just a triple question mark blunder with a pawn up, where he was still in complete control. F six, yeah.、This、F six, yeah, allowing Queen A seven check. And I have to say, I was actually watching at that moment. I didn't have the engine on, but Queen A seven check was the first move I looked at because obviously you see Queen A seven and Knight G four and everything like that. Yeah, and obviously Var played it without thinking too much because it's just such an easy tactic. And Fabiano went on to lose. No, it was it was quite shocking, wasn't it? I mean, this F six move, you got to look out for all checks. I mean, on the plus side to. Us patsers, it should give everyone like a little bit of confidence that even the best players in the world blunder. You know, I think. But obviously, as you've been his manager, you're a good friend of his. That must have been horrible for him and for you. I mean, what did he feel at that point? What emotions was he feeling? I can only imagine what emotions he was feeling. And you know, Fabiano, when I was working with him, he obviously lost a lot of games, which were. Very painful losses. The candidates comes to mind, obviously in Moscow. I think this might be up there with one of some of his most painful losses ever. Every one of these players can play outstanding chess on their day. Yeah, and Onishchuk as well, being over forty to do what he did was was just amazing. Looking at sort of the more disappointing performances of the tournament, obviously Jeffrey, Jeffrey Zhang, Jeffrey, yeah, Jeffrey had a very disappointing tournament for obvious reasons. I think Sam Shankland obviously had a very, very disappointing tournament too. But even like Shabalov, for me, even though he finished last, he had some brilliant yeah, games. Fantastic, you know. I love his style of chess. His style I mean, of chess is great. Yeah. Don't don't you think, Lars? Like people should be rewarded, not just for how they get on on a tournament, but how much they entertain. And you know, one of the stars I think of,、uh, you know, the, the men's U.S. Championships would be Shabalov because his chess was so entertaining. And、um, it strikes me in these all play alls 
people play the same openings time and time again. But then you get someone like Shabalov, maybe you get Richard Rapport, you get Jabava, you know, and these guys all of a sudden, they, they just, you know, they set the tournament on fire by playing this very interesting style of chess, even if it backfires. You know, these kind of characters, for me, make a tournament. You know, just one personality like that. And I wish there was some way to reward these characters, not just for their, their score, but for their style. Yeah, I think the problem is that it's quite arbitrary, right? So, like, even though me and you, we love this style and we love attacking chess, there are a lot of grinders out there who who love the opposite, you know, who get a, you know, my boy Jan Gustafsson gets a kick out of seeing an exchange slav. Well, Wesley So extends his unbeaten streak to 67 games. Well, he's, he's a very good player, but it's disappointing. I mean, the last round, what did he do? He had a quick draw, leaving it in the fate of two other players. For me, that's understandable, but is it the right attitude? No. It's just not the right attitude. But that's a problem with the the rules, isn't it? And the player. Well, it is the player. To a certain extent, it's the player. But also, you know, Wesley obviously looked at the pairings and thought, well, the odds of these guys both winning. I mean, he took a, a mathematical assessment, didn't he? Of the, you know, a probability assessment and basically said, well, the odds of Onishchuk winning today and the odds of Akobian winning are so slim that if I get a chance to have a quick draw to be able to rest, then I think it's worth it on this particular occasion. I think I think it's to- totally understandable, um, you know, to do what he did, but it's not something I like, you know, leaving it in someone else's hands, you know, and taking that mathematical approach is, yeah. again, it just sort of uh, kind of backs up what I'm saying, you know, with, with these uh, inventive players and, you know, who, who wouldn't do this. Who I, I love the attitude, you win it, you play, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe that's not realistic, but... It was a little bit disappointing for me. That's all I can say. It worked out well. It was probably the best thing to do, but it still disappointed me. We must talk about the women's championships. And, yeah. you know, I'm so happy with the, the champion. Yeah, Sabina Foyzor has played in the U.S. championship, I believe, every year since 2009, but uh, not finished more than, uh, I think, a tie for third or fourth. She lost her mother quite recently as well. Yeah. And yeah. Um, she's one of the underdogs. Yeah. And she's now uh, American champion. So, you know, that for me is the highlight of this whole, you know, the whole thing. It's kind of a bit of a happy story. Yeah, I, I was also over the moon. I actually tweeted it as well. Um, I think she played the best chess, hands down. She played really attacking, beautiful chess. And the way she actually finished the tournament as well was absolutely amazing. Yeah, and I, I would suggest everyone looks at her last round game, which was fantastic, a fantastic way to win the, the women's championships. But it's kind of one of those feel-good stories. You know, a, a typical American kind of sports story where the underdog who's, you know, has some personal tragedy comes through in the last round. So, you know, that that for me was really nice. I'm really happy she won. Joining us on the line from Athens is FIDE Vice President Beatrice Marinello, who was at the Extraordinary Presidential Board meeting uh, this week. Hi, Beatrice. Hi, how are you, Magoli? Good talking to you. Can you tell us a little bit what it was like in the room at this extraordinary meeting? Well, first, it was not that easy to get to the point where we have the meeting. You know, there were some... um, questions about the legality of the meeting, because by the FIDE statutes, only the FIDE president could call for an extraordinary presidential board meeting. 
But in this case, considering that the president gave most of his legal power to the deputy president back in 2015 due to the U.S. Treasury Department sanctions on him, the deputy president, uh, Georgios Macropoulos, had the authority to, to call for the meeting. Yeah, I mean, it sounded like... He turned over the powers to the deputy president, Macropolis, in 2015, but wasn't essentially acting as though that were the case. And that was the the crux of the matter, right? That was part of it. Yeah. You know, when uh, the U.S. uh, put the sanctions voluntarily, uh, Kersana Lujinov agreed to basically give these powers you know, to the deputy president, and that decision was approved by the presidential board. So one of the things that happens here is that the FIDE president was indicating in his latest letter before the meeting that since he gave voluntarily his powers, he can take that decision back and basically say, well, now I want to act, I will have full uh, powers and authority as FIDE president. One of the issues was to get a legal opinion, and of course, since that decision was approved by the, by the presidential board, he didn't have the authority to reverse it. And as you said, one of the issues has been that although he's under sanctions and um, he didn't supposed to represent FIDE, he was, uh, his signature was in the bank, we would have issues with the bank and the insurance and you know a number of things. So that was important to do what we did back in 2015. Well, one thing I've, I've been wondering is, has Illumzhinov given the presidential board any information that he actually is challenging the determination of the Department of the Treasury? Well, yes, he has. And uh, yes, he, he has secured the the legal services of a you know, very good attorney in Washington, D.C., and he's challenging the decision, but of course that will take a long time. I mean, basically, we, we don't have anything to do with it. You know, that's his personal issue. FIDE doesn't have anything to do with the fact that he's under sanctions, you know, and uh, and that's important to indicate this because we need to protect the organization and the chess community. If any member of the board has a personal legal issue, that's a personal issue. And obviously, if that can have an effect in the organization, we need to address it. And that's the case here. Okay, yeah. So obviously, there is a a due process element. He could make the case that the sanctions were applied improperly and get out of them. There is a process for doing that, even though it can take years. But one question about that does touch FIDE is, after the verbal resignation and the and the sort of back and forth that we saw very publicly in the last weeks, was there any discussion about actually trying to remove him, which I understand is possible by a vote of the ethics committee and a two-thirds vote of the executive board? You're correct about that, but the presidential board doesn't have that authority. Right. The executive board is different from the presidential board. Yes, it's different. Well, but then we're going to have an executive board meeting this year in the second semester of the year, most likely in October. Uh, but that, that, that's one of the, the questions. I mean, basically, you know, what we want is to make sure that he understands that uh, that we need to do what we're doing. You know, we need to make sure that his powers are removed. So although he remains president, he cannot represent FIDE. 
you know, and obviously this the last last week it was a complicated situation. I mean, many issues, by the way, not just the letters, a lot of pressure also to the board members to, you know, not to come to the meeting and some strange announcements that also surprised all of us. One of them is that uh, he decided to create the, the Kersan Fund, apparently with uh, three locations in the world, one of them in the U.S., you know, and a U.S. citizen. And obviously, you know, that worries me because obviously, you know, no U.S. citizen is allowed to do any type of business or have any connection, financial connection. I should just make clear for the listeners that that's actually part of what it means to be under sanction from the Treasury Department is that's one of the consequences. If you're a U.S. citizen and you do any business with somebody under sanctions, you can go up to 20 years in prison. Right. So the question is then what constitutes doing business with? Well, any any financial exchange, in my opinion, you know, in these situations, you never know something small can become really big. So when you say there was pressure applied to presidential board members not to attend the meeting, what do you mean by that? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, because obviously in one of the letters, the president indicated that he didn't see a reason to, to attend the meeting. So the purpose was basically not to have a quorum. And we needed to meet because this is a delicate situation. And we need to address it. But do you mean that aside from just these open letters, was he contacting individual presidential board members to pressure them not to attend? I believe so. Yeah, I think it's the case. Yes. Okay. Not him, but some people on his behalf. Yeah. Associates. Associates. Yeah. And do you have any sense of whether this Kirsan fund is a real thing or is it just something that gets some headlines and then goes away and nothing happens? I have no idea. You know, you never know. You never know what the, what this really, really is, you know. At least it's fair to say that uh, I think a lot of uh, chess professionals who've been observing the FIDE president's um, pronouncements over the years would treat this with a high degree of skepticism, let's say. I will be inclined to, to feel the same way, yeah. Well, I, I would like to, to, to make something clear. Yes. You know, that nobody pressure him to resign in one of the, his comments, he said that the U.S. Chess Federation and the Americans were behind this. That's completely false. So why, why would he why would he say that then, Beatrice? What what what, what I mean, because it's still I don't know if it's well, mm. I don't know if it's politically motivated. You right. know, in Russia, it may sound better than than saying it was an emotional argument, and then I, he said that he resigns. Three times. I think they recorded this, but at the same time, it was like when the meeting was ending. And in fairness, I think it was an emotional reaction. We should point out that you were a past president of the USCF, so you're definitely in a position to know that this accusation was false. And secondly, doesn't making an accusation of that kind actually potentially rise to the level of an, of an ethics issue because it's basically impugning a member federation um, in a very serious way, even if he takes it back later. I mean, it's still, it's kind of like, well, the damage was done. So why would he say that then, Beatrice? Well, I mean, because it's still... It, uh, I, I agree. Uh, he didn't take it back. He didn't see anything wrong with saying it. Uh, but obviously, it's, uh, it's completely false. The U.S. Chess Federation doesn't have anything to do with this. His reaction was created by a discussion about the contract with Aegon. Nothing to do with the U.S. or, uh, or the U.S. Chess Federation. 
I was the only one, you know, from the U.S. at the meeting, attending the meeting. And he didn't get pressure from anybody there. Not nobody, no one. Nobody asked him to resign. Nobody pressured him. It was done in a closed meeting. But basically, he, he was upset because um, CEO of Aegon indicated that it was hard to find sponsors in the West because of his sanctions. And he got really upset and emotional about that. And he wanted to sort of just cancel the agreement with Aegon. And many of us, we indicated that a decision like that needs to be checked by attorneys and because they are legal obligations. And we also need to make sure that FIDE gets paid. And, you know, there is a standing debt with FIDE that FIDE needs to collect those fees. And we need to protect the organization. We need to make sure that we make uh, sensible decisions. And um, when he saw that we didn't, you know, go with his... It was unusual because Kersan never have reactions like this. He's more mm. like a Buddhist, very peaceful, very clear-headed, but he just lost it. And, uh, and he mm. resigned and he got, up, he got up and he, he was very, very upset, you know, like almost crying, if not crying. Well, so, and it wasn't even, uh, I mean, it's not even a terribly controversial statement that, that, uh, his being under sanctions makes it difficult to raise sponsorship in the West. I mean, I think that's that's fairly undeniable. So, it, I mean, even a setting aside the the fact that it's a, that it personally affects him, it it certainly uh, is also highly plausible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, he he could be innocent of his the claims. We don't know. I mean, this is his his personal case. Sure, but but that's a separate question. I mean, it sort of doesn't matter whether he ultimately is overturned, it definitely... It affects yeah. FIDE, and that's why we have been trying to minimize this in, the impact of the situation. And he doesn't seem to realize that we have a real problem, you know, that he cannot continue representing FIDE or making agreements on behalf of FIDE because he doesn't have that authority. And it was made clear at this meeting that he doesn't have it. And we hope that he will follow the guidance of the board and if he doesn't then we need to take the next step so so what is the next what is the next step the next step is you know to continue working with him to see if we can get him to understand the situation you know the worst case scenario is that we need to address this with ethics and then put it forward to the executive board hopefully we don't have to do that i don't think it will be good for him or for FIDE or for anybody. He should finish his term as FIDE president. But at the same time, he needs to show now that he's, he cares about our organization and chess, and he will not damage you know, the organization any, any farther with this. Okay, one last question on this, and then I'd like to ask you briefly about the Social Action Commission, if I may. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> one last question on this. What do you think was the role of the Russian Chess Federation, which was very strongly backing him along the way and, and certainly potentially could have brought a lot of influence to bear? Do you think it did or how would you describe it? No, I think it's the correct approach for them to support a fellow Russian, you know. The, the Russian Chess Federation gave him an endorsement to run for the position. And the president of the Russian Federation, Andrei Filatov, is a good friend of Kersan. He's a very good person and good for chess. He truly cares about the players and the 
development of chess and Russia. So his position is completely understandable. On the other hand, the borders united. Everybody who came to Greece this um, this weekend, we all spoke, and we showed that we're we're completely united. Sixteen members of the board. Mr. Filatov didn't come because we understood, you know, they basically have a position on on political position on his favor. All right. Thanks for that. Now, you are also the chair of the Social Action Commission. Can you briefly discuss what the Social Action Commission does and uh, what kind of projects you're actively involved in? Well, thank you for the question. Um, My passions in life has been chess in the schools, scholastic chess. I have been involved with it in the U.S. for 25 years, but also have been doing a lot of social projects and charities. For, for a long time. So when I was elected FIDE vice president in 2010, one of my goals was to do something significant in these areas. So uh, in 2012, we created these social commissions. We have two social commissions. So we define the objective, and one of them is, um, is using chess as an equalizer to reduce the gender gap between boys and girls, and also using chess as a way to also reduce the the gap of social economic impacts. We work with children at risk. I have been doing lots of work in Africa with minimum, minimum funds, but it has been extremely rewarding, especially the project in Uganda. When we started it, they didn't have a movie or anything like that. Our work with Robert Katende, when I met him, I decided that he was the person that would be perfect to be the general secretary of the commission. And he is the general secretary of the commission. Then last year, I mean, they made the movie, The Queen of Catway, which obviously helped us a lot. So basically it's using chess to improve society and helping people in need. And also the idea of um, utilizing chess to reduce the impact of Alzheimer's and dementia, which is another concept that I think it will continue uh, growing, chess for seniors. There's a lot of research that indicate that if we keep the brain active, we can fight the development of these illnesses, or at least delayed. We're basically developing programs And those programs are self-sustained because they stay in the communities. The local people, they're working in the projects and they embrace their own projects and they, they get to continue with this. So we need to provide minimum support and feel very passionate about this. I really love, I really love this work and I wish I will continue doing that as long as I can. Beatrice Marinello, FIDE Vice President and Chair of the Social Action Commission. And you can reach her at chesseducators.com. Thanks, Beatrice. Thank you so much. Okay, nice talking to you guys. Lawrence, I understand you've uh, decided to 
put your aspirations for the final Grandmaster Norm back on the shelf. Yeah. And skip the Granke open in favor of commentary with Peter Lego at the Granke Classic. Yeah, so I'll be back in the booth for a short while. I still do plan to get back in the saddle and play a few games. There are still a few tournaments out there that that are quite interesting. Definitely very interesting. Well, we'll look forward to your commentary first from the Grand KHS Classic. And yes. maybe uh, we'll have a clip or two from Simon in the Reykjavik Open. Yeah, I'll be there. Check out our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the FEB for uh, some bonus clips. And we'll be doing some on-site reporting from the Grand KHS Classic next week. Keep your ears open for that. Okay, thanks, guys. Been a pleasure. Cheers. Wabbling too much. Wabbling and blabbling. Wabbling and babbling.